glory, glory. Everybody happy this morning? Say amen. Praise the Lord. How many enjoyed the music this morning? Let's give them a praise, would you? Amen. All right. You can be seated. Thank you. Well, have got a good crowd this morning. I need to preach a good repent and be baptized this morning's sermon. Amen. Good to see each one of you here this morning. Visitors, we welcome you. And everybody that's supposed to be here, glad that you're here also. I'm glad that I'm here this morning. Amen. Amen. We're looking at a subject in Revelation chapter 22, or Texas, verse 12 to 21. Have you enjoyed the services so far? Amen. The series, The Word Made Flesh. Amen. You said, Brother Greg, you just give a title and you just preach anything you want to preach. Everything I preach is about the subject. Amen. The Word Made Flesh. And if I want to give it a... A good title, I guess I could put germination as a process, but let's just call it the principle of life. The principle of life, because I use the word germination, because we're going back to where we stopped last week, and Brother Brown gave a quote, and he used the word germatized. I couldn't find germatized in the dictionary. There's no such word as germatized, so it must be a message word. It must be a prophetic word. And if there's no definition in the dictionary, we must find a definition in the way that he used it. So you must be germatized. So what does that mean? We're looking in the book of Revelation and we're placing this age now and painting a picture that you and I set in the perfect picture of the Garden of Eden. We're sitting in the perfect picture of the days of Noah, Sodom, and Gomorrah. We're sitting in the perfect picture of Malachi 4, 5, and 6. We're looking at the picture of the Antichrist. You're looking at all the symbolic language of the book of Revelation actually being fulfilled right before us. And now we have heard the language, and now we see the language fulfilled. In other words, we could call it substance faith. The book of Revelation is the end time story of the church and how God is going to bring it about, the penalty and the curse. It was in symbolic form and it was not interpreted that we could understand until this hour. Many people try to preach the book of Revelation and try to interpret the symbolism, but the book says only a prophet would be able to read the book and be able to understand what he is reading. So that is one unique uh, position that we're brought to a showdown. When the person is reading the book, comes and opens the book, the world is called to be able to hear the book read. According to the book, blessed are they that hear the book read. So our faith comes by hearing and our hearing must develop into a vision that we can see. See meaning understanding what the symbolism means to us and be able to look out around us and see it in absolutely substance material form and understand what we are looking at. Because if you're always placing the book of Revelation in the future, You'll keep going on and on and on and always looking at it in the future. People are looking for the coming of the Lord. 
and they're using certain scriptures what Jesus must come and what are more. We're here proclaiming the gospel that the Bible as it is taught or teaches that Christ, the Logos, God himself, has descended from heaven and is now in the midst of the church just as he stood in the midst or the center of the Garden of Eden. We now stand before the tree of life. We're in the same condition that we must avail ourselves to eat of the tree or we don't get the benefits of the tree. In other words, I put in your lesson that an apple tree could be standing right here in your yard or right beside of you. If you had no desire or any interest in apples, the apple tree wouldn't mean nothing to you or attract your attention at all. So you could actually be standing exactly beside what will give you eternal life and change your body for the rapture. But if you don't know what it is, you won't avail yourself to it. And what we see all the way through Noah, all these examples, Jesus, they people never knew what was going on at the time to avail themselves to what was available to them to get the benefits. We find ourselves in the same position. The tree of life, God himself, is now in the midst of the church. He is represented in symbolic language as the tree of life. Our text tells us that we must wash our robes that we talked about last week, a process of separation, to be able to eat the fruit of the tree. And the fruit of the tree is absolutely the doctrine or the word, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the fruit of this tree will absolutely give you and change you from mortal to immortality. You say, well, man has been looking for a fountain of youth and immortality ever since creation. Yes, but we are the people that are placed in the position and the time frame, given the test to see whether we will recognize our day and its message and reach forth by faith and eat the fruit of the tree. Unless you eat the fruit of the tree, you do not get the benefits of the presence of the tree. So the divine healer could be standing right here. And without faith you would not be healed. Immortality could be standing right beside of you. Or right in front of you. But without knowing it. Without basically understanding something. Or being pointed to it. Or uh, preached or taught what was going on. You wouldn't have a clue what was going on. So therefore faith cometh by hearing. But not only have we heard. We must come to the place. I have heard but now I see. Which we preach the series of perfect faith. It must come to a substance. You must be able to look around out here and say. This is the very symbolic language as in the days of Noah. And the physical conditions are around us. And we see them. Therefore, the spiritual condition must also exist. And if my eyes are anointed, I would be able to see those conditions also. And thereby knowing then, by seeing them, it, it places me in the position and the title or the person to be the one to take the fruit and the promises too. 
In other words, you've got to know who you are to be able to bring it through this process. So we're looking at a principle of life. The Word made flesh in your flesh in my flesh. We can see that principle in Jesus. We see that principle in the prophet. We can see that principle in history. Luther, Martin, right on down. But there's a group of people here. We're either wise or foolish or we are serpent seed one or the other. We're one of three groups. So when we see the picture, we must identify who am I in this picture and what is required of me to obtain the promise as an overcomer, which we know the Bible said, He that overcometh, I will grant to uh, approach and eat of the tree of life that you may have part in that city. So that's what we're looking at. I believe that the tree of life, which is the logos, which is the anointing, the pillar of fire called Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, is the very Shekinah glory, the anointing that come out of the eternal spirit. That Christ is here in the midst of the church called the kingdom of God, which is a type of the Garden of Eden once again before us. Are you following me so far? Therefore, we're reading the scripture in Revelation 22 uh, verses 12 to 21 because this is the setting and this is the condition we find ourselves in this morning this is not futuristic this has either been fulfilled and it's over or it's being fulfilled in us now there is no future amen Verse 12, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. How many believes that 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a message to gather the bride together to hear the promise of God. Amen. How many believes that that has been fulfilled? Amen. Revelation 10, 1, A mighty angel shall descend from heaven with an open book, a rainbow over his head, which is a covenant. He comes to Revelation 10, 7, which is a prophet messenger. And in the days of the voice of that angel, we find this setting. And when he comes, he brings the theophanies with him. Therefore, the sleeping saints are right here with us this morning. You said, I cannot see them. That's what we're talking about, the anointing to anoint our eyes with eye in this corrupt condition physically. That we can see. So we need to see spiritually what is going on. And by that we will know who we are and that our names is in this section of the book. He brings his reward with him. Doesn't 1 Thessalonians 15 to 6 and say, And the Lord, and he brings those saints down here with him. God brings them down here with him. So your theophany is no more than two or three feet from you right now. Hallelujah. Therefore, if you drop dead, you wouldn't go three feet from now and you pick up your other body and you'd be right here. Well, I'm going to fly off to heaven. You're not going to fly off to heaven. It's just another dimension. Absolutely, you're walking around right here now in another dimension, in another body, faster than this one. That's the reason you cannot see them. There's people walking right through this building this morning. TV picks it up. It's an ether wave. It's another dimension. The prophet preached on it. Science has proven it. It is going on right here now. 
Where do you think the flying objects or flying saucers go to when the Navy now has tracked them? They've let out that we really believe there's flying saucers or UFOs. Track them and all of a sudden, poof, they're gone. Where did they go? They went into another dimension. There is a parallel dimension right here now. And I don't like to think about it, but there's a representation of you just across the veil going faster. You mean I'm here and somewhere else at the same time? Absolutely. And when you hear the word, you heard from your theophany or your representation, which bears witness to you that you are a son of God. Are you following me? Say amen now. Watch. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I am all of it. Everything that is come out of me, everything that is come out of me, everything that was come out of me, and everything that will be, I am the author of it. In other words, everything comes out of God. He is the beginning and the end. He is the author of life. Everything come out of this eternal spirit or this eternal mind. All right. So blessed are they that do his commandments. That's where it was last week. The little translation, blessed are they that wash their robes, that they may have right to the tree of life. So what we're talking about is there is a situation where the Lord comes down here. We call it the appearing or the presence, the perusia of Christ. He comes down. The Logos comes down here. He had his picture taken. He went around the world making himself known. So he comes down here and makes a proposition or brings the church to a condition that they have to make a choice. Since it is the last church age, Laodicea, then the choice means to come out of the church, come out of the system. You're going to become a new creation. There's a germination process starts all over again because the prophet says birth is to be. In other words, he brings out a group of people and in one short period of time, he brings you to seed, to birth, to maturity, to immortality, all in the same season by the same presence of Almighty God. In other words, the presence is all the conditions we need for the seed to germinate, mature, grow, process, and come back to sons and daughters of God again in the same season. The sower overtakes the reaper. Hallelujah. Before we die, the presence will take us out of here. All right. So that, that we may enter in through the gates into the city. Brother Branham in Future Home said, We are now sitting together in heavenly places. Not will be. We are now sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What does he mean? Christ is here. We are standing in his presence just like Adam and Eve was in the garden. They had access to it. It stood there. It must not have got their attention too well because they got interested in other things and went about doing their own thing, counting the birds and beads and naming this and one more. Eve, she got over here and got in trouble, all in the presence of God standing right there in the garden. I'm painting a picture of the condition that we're setting in this morning. You say, well, if I was Adam, I would have done this. If I was Eve, or you have the same condition set before you today. And the furthermore, we can sit here in our corrupt bodies, 
in the condition that we're in, saved by grace, and still come into the presence of the tree of life and not even know it. How many has ever seen the movie Deep Call of the Deep and all them preachers sitting on the platform? Brother Brandon is sermon bringing miracles, what more, and they're sitting there reading the newspaper. The presence of God was there. Discerning the hearts, creating miracles, and the preachers didn't have a clue what was going on. It's always amazing the preacher is the one that doesn't have a clue. God help us all. So therefore, standing in the presence of the tree of life, you say, what represented the tree of life? The prophet represents the tree of life to us because he is the mouthpiece or the voice that the Spirit is speaking through. Then the Bible said, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. How are you going to hear if nobody's talking? Well, I'm in the Spirit. No, no, no. He's talking through a man. You can hear it. You can think about it. Meditate. Repeats it. You sit here and it comes down natural. It's just person to person. Until we get in the spirit of what God is doing. And recognizing that we are the substance or the people that he's using it and doing it through. And to. So right here this morning in the presence of the tree of life. It says there is what? Dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie, which is the systems that teaches and takes on another name outside the name of Christ. Well, Brother Gregory, that condition couldn't be around the tree of life. It absolutely is. Jesus walked along and he had a lot of followers. The clearer he got in proclaiming who he was, when you see me, you see the Father. His audience dropped down to about 70. When he said, eat my flesh and drink my blood, his audience dropped down to about 12. One of them was a devil. And the other 11 didn't have a clue what was taking place. Amen. God can be standing in our midst in human flesh. And unless you are ordained and predestinated to see and hear it, you will not recognize it. Therefore, it takes the new birth or the baptism of the Holy Ghost or the spirit seed gene of God in you called a seed or a son to recognize the source of life by whom and from whom you are germinated to and from. In other words, when you see me, you see the Father, the seed and the Son. The Father and the Son is one and the self-same source and life. Amen. The apple in the tree can look all the way back to the life that went into the ground and say, I'm that apple that went in the tree. The same life in me is in the root. Amen. The same life that was in Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, as Son of Man, God manifest in the flesh, has now through the germination process, right on back through, has now come back to the grain again where you and I stand here as the Word made flesh. Messiahs. I'm not talking about you being a prophet or the Son of Man, Jesus. I'm talking about Messiahs, little germinated seed apples on the tree. Little measures with the same anointing that was in the original seed is now in every apple, every son and daughter of God on the tree of life. That's what you're looking at. 
And here we are in this condition. Watch. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. Now, his angel would be actually the seven of them. Seven angels, which was seven men, seven messengers, to, one to each age, which was anointed by the Holy Ghost. So there's only one messenger through seven church ages, and that's the Holy Ghost himself. Each man anointed, seven spirits of God, seven angels, seven messengers. We're in the level, uh, seventh one, or the last one. Our messenger has come. He has signed his message. The book is open. Now then you're going to come to verse uh, 11 and 12 right here. Uh, we'll get to it in a few minutes. He that's filthy, let him be filthy still. Let's watch now. I am the root and offspring of David, the bride and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. We could go through the process, but he's giving you the conditions for germination to come from life. Watch. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. We looked last week where Moses said, keep my commandments. And he that keep my commandments, blessed is he. He that does not keep them, cursed is he. Keeping the commandments, and we keep repeating over again, there's no such thing as a command. Keeping the commandments simply mean take the word as it is written or as it is spoken. That's the formula. That's the antidote. That's the answer. It's not a command, thou shalt, what more you can do. It's the antidote. It's a prescription. All right. So he's saying the same thing. The prophet said, just say what I said. That means keep my commandments or do as the word has said. If any man shall take away the words of this book of the prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. Notice it out of the book of life because that elected cannot sin or have his name taken off the book as far as predestination is concerned. This is the book of life. This is talking about the foolish virgins, the whosoever will group, those that comes around the church, looks at the tree, hears the message for a few months, then basically going off and do their own thing. They never adhere and partake of the tree. They don't put their hand forth and pick an apple and eat it. Because you've got to remember here, chapter, what, 10 tells John to eat the book. You've got to eat the book. You've got to eat the fruit. You've got to take the word as it's written. Which is the doctrine, which is the fruit of the truth. Watch. God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city. And from the things that are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now that's quite a, a reading. So what are we looking at? We're looking at the progression to the tree of life or what we would say the germination process in process. We are not come to that final state yet that we talked about where the anointing that Brelsey brought you to the message, took you to the water, caused you to accept Jesus Christ and His grace for salvation of the soul, that spirit that drawed you to that new birth, 
That spirit must grow until it takes possession of your body. This comes by the renewing process of the mind. We are transfigured or transformed, according to Romans 12, by the renewing of the mind. When we come to church, you've got to be prepared what? My mind needs to be in tune to hear. The only way God is going to be able to help me is that I hear a word and the grace of God. Everybody say grace. The grace of God allows that word to get down into my heart. Not here, down in here. A conviction, a believing that causes what? An action of the body. You can say, oh, I believe so-and-so. I know so-and-so. I know. We see you about once every six weeks, Easter and Christmas, and you say that you're a believer. You're no more a believer down here than a billy goat is two in a tin can. You've only deceived yourself. When you know that you're a believer, oh, I believe so-and-so. Down in here, that life has a, a measure of control over your thinking to cause you to do Certain principles to cause you to grow to come to the final state called a son of God. Praise be to God. And when we get there, we won't have to ask anybody, am I a son? You will know that you know that you know. Praise be to God. So we're looking at this process, this principle of life, the progression to the tree of life with the understanding now. I have pushed doctrine for 30 years, and I guarantee you, it is boring, it is laborious, it's hard on the mind, it doesn't make you run around the building, it gets you sleepy, it will cause you to wander and ponder. But I guarantee you, if you stay with the doctrine of the Word, that doctrine will deliver you out of every spirit, darkness, sickness, ever false teaching, you'll end up saying amen to the word. Because you'll sooner or later find out that you are the word. (laughs) How can you be the word and all of a sudden not be the word? If you're an eagle, don't try to be a buzzard. I have so much trouble trying to be a buzzard. A buzzer don't have trouble being a buzzard. A sinner don't have trouble sinning. Come on, talk to me. How easy is it for a sinner to sin? About as easy as getting up in the morning, drinking a glass of water, eating three meals a day, eating ice cream when you weren't supposed to, eating all the chocolate that you shouldn't have. It's pretty easy to do what you want to do. Somebody say hallelujah. I'm going to do what I want to do. You say, well, that, that, makes me, that makes you 99 and 9 tits like everybody else. I, I went by Starbucks the other day. My wife, she was doing some shopping, or she had to have this uh, special color of pair of shoes, which I understand that. I said, if you buy a pair, burn two pair. Because we haul off more shoes and more boxes than you could count. But now that's over 30 or 40 years, okay? You mean you hadn't thrown away a pair of shoes in 30 years? No. I finally got so tired of putting uh, shoes in boxes that I looked at a pair and I said, I bought that in 1982 
And they were black suede boots that stained your feet. I said, I'm not going to box them up. Not one more time in the burnt of things. Now, that's not bad, one pair out of so many. So we made a little covenant. You buy one, you throw away two. But you know what? I hadn't smelled any smoke burning since she bought them yesterday. <laughs> now, where was we at anyway? Brother Brown makes this statement that is hard to understand. Nothing outside this message will come to life. All right, what is he telling me? That's quite a statement. Nothing outside this message will come to life. We got every form of religion and every one of them will tell you right up front. They got life. Praise God. They're going to heaven. Hallelujah. And they're baking a cake on the corner and they know they're Christians. According to the Bible, according to a vindicated prophet, there's not a one of them going to heaven. You say, well, that's, that, you shouldn't talk like that. Well, that's what's wrong with people now. We're so politically correct. We got our language so messed up that bad's good and good's evil and you can't say nothing about nothing. That everybody's going to hell in a breadbasket and wondering why they got problems. Are you following now? Why don't we just call it nitty gritty like it is? Let's get right down to not gray, but black and white. This one's going, this is not going. I'm going or I'm staying. This is sin or it's not sin. It's not, oh, well, well, you, well that's my, well, that's, oh. no, no, no. It's either sin for me and everybody else or it's not sin for nobody. So what we're looking at is what? This Bible teaches me and Jesus absolutely declared that he brought forth the gospel of immortality. He said, if you believe on me, what I am, you will be. I'm going to die, and the body that I have when I come up, you'll have the same glorious body. And he that believeth on me shall never die. Amen. Believest thou this? And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If he made that promise, he's got to be here with us to keep that promise. Because there's not one thing you and I can do, being sons of Abraham, there's not one thing that we can do except wait on God to keep His promise to change me from mortal to immortality. Amen. We cannot bring a revival. I hear these people writing a book, writing a book, we're going to have a revival. Oh, they prayed in their upper room 30 days and had a revival. You can go to the uh, building, you can pray for six years and never have a revival. A spirit may get in there onto somebody and prophesy some lie, but you won't have a revival. Revival is God's presence there to bring you a message to change a corner. We changed and turned the last corner. There's not going to be another revival outside of two prophets come to restore 144,000 Jews. And they're getting set up to do that now. We're in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. What's the voice? Not the prophet, the body, but the one doing the speaking. The pillar of fire, the Holy Spirit, is the voice behind the sign. Glory to God. In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, the mystery of God. The mystery of God. And that was Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, processing himself, multiplying himself, Bringing the cycle of life out in a multi-membered form. 
as I am, so will be you. When you see me, you see the Father. That's exactly what the message is now. So the pillar of fire is here. And that pillar of fire still has a voice. You said, yes, Brother Gregory. And I'm taking too long on this preamble. He's got a voice and we all should listen to the tapes. Listen to the tapes. The anointing is on the tapes. But when we get to the place that only, there's no live ministry and you only listen to the tapes, then the pillar of fire doesn't have a voice. The Holy Ghost doesn't have a voice. The tapes was to record as a record to go back and to see what the voice said. But he also said, you young preachers now, since the word and the book is open, you take this message that I am here around the world and those who believe it, I'll take in the rapture with me when I go. Hallelujah. I'm a believer. Yes, sir. Now, here's the quote that we want to read a look. We're looking at this progression. We're looking at this germination to see where we're at in the process. Now, the unveiling of God. The unveiling of God would be in the sons of God. Then the Bible said the whole world is waiting for the unveiling or the manifestation of the sons of God. The whole world. Well, I say not only is the world of the ungodly waiting for the manifestation, but the world of the godly, the church, the true elected bride, those that stood in the presence of the very tree itself, substance, faith, the prophet when he was here. They didn't recognize the symbol. They didn't recognize the form. But they stood in the very presence of the tree of life. That life is still here. The form has changed to now a bride form which has a ministry in it which has a substance which that's what we believe we are sitting here this morning. He said now then to those to the perfect. Perfect means those who have finished the process of germination. You're right back to grain. You're right back to sons and daughters of God again. Planted in the ground, you got something in you that will bring you up. Without the message, without the revelation of the perusia of Christ to germinate you, to uh, what we call impregnate you. Brother Bam used the term uh, pregnation, marriage, divorce, like the church has to be pregnated by the word, and that is the spring for spiritual son. We've got to be pregnated. In other words, conception has to take place. There's an invisible union between you and the invisible pillar of fire or the Holy Ghost word that stands here in our midst. There is a connection. Hallelujah. There is a forming. There is a oneness. We call it faith. We call it understanding. But that manifestation to us lets us know. Come on now. I am what the Word of God says I am. It removes the question, am I sanctified? 
It removes the question, am I going to make it by law? It removes the question, am I elect? You know that you know. Why? Because God himself stood here. And his voice said, there is no sin laid to your charge. If there's no sin laid to your charge, there must not be any law. There must not be any law. Because sin is the transgression of the law. And where there's no law, there is no sin. Somebody at home. If if there was no speed limit out here, I wouldn't have got a speeding ticket a couple of months ago. All sins go before you. Might as well let you know. Brother Gregory, you got a speeding ticket, a preacher getting a speeding ticket. Yeah, the car goes 75 with a preacher driving the same as it goes 75 with you driving it. I got in the car with Brother, I won't call it, up in uh, Michigan. He's going out of freeway, and that's when I was a legalist. Brother Bam said, when you get over the speed limit, the Holy Ghost leaves the car. Brother Bam said a lot of things, you know what I mean? I was going on, I glanced up there, and I think he was hitting about 85. I said, well, the Holy Ghost just left us. <laughs> I was legal, boy. And all of a sudden, I was holding on to the side. I said, isn't there a speed limit up here around Chicago, anywhere? <laughs> but, ah, uh, oh, well, praise God, the Holy Ghost takes over the ship. He drives this car. Yeah. <laughs> I said, the Holy Ghost don't break the, break the speed limit anyway. You know? <laughs> Amen. So when we want in a hurry, we say, Holy Ghost, you, you, you go up on my job and meet me when I get up there. Amen. I just keep on going. Brother Ben said, the devil leaves them here and wait till the back door and picks them up again. Maybe the Holy Ghost leaves you here and go back to the door and wait till you come out and picks you up again sometimes. So. To the perfect. What's the process now he's talking about? After the stalk has been formed. Now that's in the days of Luther. We don't understand that. After the tassel has come, as the days of Wesley, sanctification, there's justification, sanctification by which you're saved, has been formed. After the grain has come onto the cob, there's your restoration of the gifts, right back to the first and second pull, right back to the book of Acts, baptism of the Holy Ghost, restoration of the gifts. Watch. Then it has to come to perfection. All right, perfection is what he, symbolic language. Now watch. The symbolism is what messes us up. Perfection. What is completion? He's not talking about you being perfect by the law. He's talking about a process coming to completion. Bringing us right back to sons and daughters of God again. All right? So it has to come to perfection. That's when he preached perfect faith. Perfect faith, we found out, was what? Substance faith. Tangible. Revelation now manifested in flesh. This Bible sits in you. You are the physical expression of this written commandments are the sayings of God. Somewhere in this building sits a bride. Somewhere in this building sits a son and daughter of God. That makes you this written word, this prescription, this saying, this commandment made flesh. All right. Watch what he's saying now. Watch. Right back to regular grain again. Regular grain again. 
Remember, the grain must be germatized. Now, that's where I got messed up, so I went to the dictionary to see what germatized was, and it says there's no such word in the dictionary called germatized. Because germatized is not in the process of germination. So how am I going to be germatized when <laughs> there's no such word? So what is the prophet telling me? He's looking at a grain. He's looking at a stalk. He's looking at a seed in process. He's looking at this embryo, the law of life in there, how it comes out to far actually form a body to another structure that comes to its complete form. And we're looking at now an immortal body out here. So you're in a form of germination. The natural birth is only a form. You're headed towards immortal. See, if you die, you go to another body, celestial body. But you're not there yet. You're still in the process of germination. At the resurrection, now you've come to your final form. You come forth in your glorified body. About 20 years of age. Perfect youth, perfect health, perfect representation. Amen. Still got red hair, brown eyes. Oh, God, you mean you don't get blonde hair and blue eyes? No, you're still just exactly like God saw you. And He saw you perfect. So get over this self-complexes and all this stuff because we don't, that's not that much to God. He saw you perfect. Well, how come I got all these problems? To bring you to the character and the form that he saw you in. And this is what it takes to get you there. Can I make it easier? Yeah, you can quit resisting the pull. You can get in the flow. You can say amen to the word. Lord, I need your help. Praise God. If I thought you, I'm going to fail. And turn loose and let God do it for you. But every time you fight for them, try to get the coat on, swim upstream, oh, I'm going to work it out. You're just making it longer and longer and longer. Amen. Glory to God. Just quit swimming upstream. Let's go. Let's float towards the tree. Watch. See, remember, the grain must be germatized. All right, something's got to happen to us. Now, watch. If it don't, it won't live. So there's got to have something happen to the Pentecostal church. Or it won't come to immortality. Are you following me? He's telling you there's something in the process. He's looking at the church now. He says something has to happen in the church. There's got to be a condition exists right at the end. When it comes back to the grain again, when it looks just like sons and daughters of God, which that's what Pentecost was. There's still got to be something that happens to bring immortality. Well, I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got more. I'm, no, no, no. That don't mean nothing. Well, it means something. You can have the Holy Ghost every day of your life and go to hell. So we're still looking at something happening to the church. Right at the end. Right before resurrection. Right before the body change. That's us. So there's something that's got to take place. Within us to be able to live, in other words, move to the next form, hopefully without dying. I've expressed this for 30 something years. Brother Green, all you preach is body change. That's the message of the hour. That's what God is here for to change your body. 
Tell me what else he's here for. All right. He said, watch now. None of that was outside of their message will ever come to life. Okay, so you had to be in the original seed that went into the ground to ever be a part of the original seed when it comes back. So if I can find out what the original seed was that went into the ground, I'm going to find out where I was when he went into the ground. Because where he was, I was in that seed. Say hallelujah. When he went to hell, I went to hell with him. When God quickened that seed, hallelujah, he quickened me with him. When he raised him up out there with a glorified body, he raised me up with him. When he set him on the throne, he set me on the throne with him. And where he is, there I shall be also. And as he is, so am I down here on earth. Now, every bit of that scripture. Praise be to God. My, what a, what a condition. Watch. It has to be germatized to it. Now, that's what we want to look at. And I'm thinking he's looking at, it must be a condition exist for this to take place. There must be certain conditions exist for this to happen. See? There's got to be a certain setting. It has to come right back to the original again. In other words... In the Garden of Eden, I've got to find the same condition that exists today as in the Garden of Eden. If Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, same yesterday and forever, the same condition that existed when Jesus was here, when he was baptized, walked the shores of Galilee, done all the miracles, went to Calvary and died, I've got to find that same condition again. At this time, or he's saying the principle of life is not the same. If I can find the same condition again, I should be able to find out what position I'm in. All right, watch. He said that, uh, but remember, the same life that was in the stalk is in the grain. All right, the same life that was in the grain was in the stalk then. So when the grain went down, which is Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. When that soul went down, that soul had to have life in it for it to come forth out of the grave. Because all God done was to call and anoint that soul and quicken it. And when He quickened the soul to bring it out of the grave, He also quickened you at the same time. Come on, church. Because everything in that seed shows up at the end time as the fruit of the tree or the people in the city or the inhabitants, the attributes. Every son and daughter of God was represented in that seed when it was on Calvary. So when God quickened that germ in that seed whose names was on the book of life, he quickened you. That's the reason when you heard the gospel, heard the message of the hour, you had something in you to say, that's the word of God, and you come to it like an eagle comes to the cry. Amen. Hallelujah. The lamb and the dove unite together. Amen. Watch now. So he said, now, it's just maturing itself right back. See, he revealed himself. I put himself. What? 
What is Brother Brandon looking at? What is the seed? What is the grain that he's looking at? Son of man. The grain that went into the ground. Now he challenged you, get the message. He didn't mean get the message. Did you get the message that he's trying to get across to you? So the grain is the son of man. Boy, time goes by fast, doesn't it? If the grain is the son of man, and it goes through the cycle of life, then the son of man has to come back again. If the son of man was Jesus, the word made flesh, then the son of man has to repeat at the end time, or God coming down and manifesting himself in flesh. So when we begin to preach in 1982, the revelation of the Son of Man, they said we was crazy. How could the Son of Man be here when Jesus was sitting on the throne? Brother Branham said, now, Brother Branham, 1964, are you the Son of Man being a prophet? He said, no, I'm not the Son of Man. He said, the pillar of fire is not the Son of Man. Listen, it's the pillar of fire. Here, revealing the Son of Man by a Son of Man. In other words, the same manifestation, the same revelation that Jesus gave of the Father. That revelation is now being repeated again in flesh, bringing the same revelation of Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, to the church once again. Alpha is Omega. You mean to tell me that the very ministry... The very word made flesh that Jesus done 2,000 years ago. God promised that he would do the same thing in another man. Becoming flesh once again among the church. Absolutely. You say, what's the emphasis of that? Why is that so important? Because it shows that the virgin birth, the created blood cell, freed us completely from sin. Enough that a sinner could stand in the presence of God. And God used his body by grace and manifest the unfallible word again in flesh. Matter of fact, it places you and I in the same condition. All right, I won't have time, but we'll get to this little thought. He said, get the message. All right, then what is the message? What is the message now that he's trying to get across here? He's telling us what grain goes into the ground, the same seed life will return. Now, what's the message? The same grain that goes into the ground, the same seed life will return. So after the complete process, you're right back to the same condition, right back to the same grain uh, that it was before. In other words, we're looking at Hebrews 13, 8. You're right back to the pillar of fire. Being here revealing himself in flesh as it was 2,000 years ago when the pillar of fire come down at the river of Jordan, the baptism of Jesus, and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm pleased to dwell. Hear ye him because he is going to reveal me to you. It sounds to me like you'll never be able to understand the invisible God except through physical representation. Then, Brother Gregory, what does that make you and I? It makes us the manifestation of a portion of the Logos, which is Word. It makes us an attribute, a thought of this one. It makes you the Word in flesh, just exactly as it was Jesus. But He was without measure, and we have just a small little measure of that process ourselves. 
So the grain that you're looking at is the Son of Man fell into the ground. And the church falls into the ground. You're looking at the bridegroom and the bride. And he knows, and he knows the church fell. Thou hast fallen from thy first love, so and so and so and so, therefore we're still here. They, they was one step away from immortality and they fell. You know why? Because they made a law out of the grace gospel of Paul. They couldn't get away from the law. Therefore, they put all these works and whatever more, and we're still here. So you're the, to, the Logos, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of Man in flesh, has to come back to earth, and we believe that it already has. We're not talking about future things coming to pass. We're talking to you this morning out of the book of Revelation, showing you that these things that you think are future has already been fulfilled. Amen. Well, what about the second coming of the Lord? Well, we can teach on that because everybody's looking for Jesus to come. And I guarantee you, according to this book right here, John Hagee and all these preachers of the rise book, Hal Lindsey, whatever more, they don't have a clue about the second coming of Jesus. Oh, they're scholars in the Bible. Yeah, but they're not prophets. They can read it and put this scripture to this and get their concordance. Oh, yeah, this means this. But they don't mean nothing. But when a man of God stands here and the anointing says, Thus saith the Lord, this is this and this is what's happening before you. This day this scripture is fulfilled right in before your earring. All right, what I'm trying to tell you is this. Brother Branham, he said, well, he was a prophet. Okay, what is a prophet? Well, a prophet is somebody that's going to tell me something that's coming in the future. What did Brother Branham prophesy? Well, I'm not looking at a prophet of the future. I'm looking at a fourth teller. John the Baptist, that Elijah, was not a foreteller, like, oh, down the road 2,000 years now is John. No, no. He said, this day, here's, here's the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. In other words, he was telling you what was in your midst now. Brother Bannon was not a future tense tell all oh, ten years down the road we're going to know. Oh, no. He had some prophecies, visions, but he was a foreteller. I'm telling you that that one you're looking for is not standing no more than ten feet from me right now. This day, this scripture fulfilled. Remember when he took the book out of the priest's hand and said, read here. Brother Bannon said, Isaiah. He said, this day, this scripture will fulfill right before your eyes. When he referred to John the Baptist, behold, I've seen you, Elijah the prophet. He said, don't you know that that's going on right now before you? If Jesus Christ was the same yesterday and forever, when he talked to the woman at the well, what did he do? He discerned their hearts. Go get your husband, so and so. He said, if he was the same one, will he do the same thing again? And he turned around to that woman and said, so and so, your name is so and so. The doctor told you you had one more. Thus saith the Lord, you're healed. He turned, did you get it? Oh, yeah, show us again, show us again, show us again. Well, God got tired of pulling cards out of a hat. He don't have to pull cards out of the hat to show you anything. He's already proved it. He's already proved it again and again. Now then you either take it or you don't take it. All right. What's what he's saying? So he said Christ has to come back. In other words, the Logos has to be here in the ministry of Jesus Christ. And you have to be attracted or made one with that. That's what he's calling germatized. So the condition must exist. In other words, the pillar of fire has to be here. 
The presence had to be here. The condition must exist exactly like it was on the days of Jesus. It's got to repeat. And you and I are faced with the decision and the choice to eat or not to eat. To partake or not to partake. Let me see here. I'm about to run out of time, but watch. How? What is more important? Can y'all want to come with us? A lot of this is important, but we want to look over here and find something. I gave you some quotes to told you about the tree of life, and the tree of life is Jesus, right? That Jesus, well, not Jesus that was nailed to the cross, that was the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the tree of life, is a Logos, or a God himself as a person. Amen. Read your quotes, it's there. We know that in the garden there was two trees. Two trees in the midst of the garden that did not grow out of the ground. Remember, every tree that grows out of the ground is good to eat. But this one tree, he said, don't eat thereof, because the day that you eat that tree, you'll die. Well, if you eat that tree and you die, then it wasn't good for fruit then. All right, but he said every tree that grows out of the ground is good for fruit. You can eat of every tree that grows out of the ground. This tree didn't come out of the ground then. Where did this tree come from? Come out of Adam. Because a woman... <laughs> Was that fruit tree? Isn't she the mother of all living? Say amen. amen. Don't partake of that fruit. In other words, don't bring children by sex until, until that only begotten, that firstborn son comes by the spoken word to be the head of the family to take over half of the kingdom. Come on now. Jesus was to be the firstborn son of Adam and Eve. Amen. Hallelujah. But there's a condition existing. Look in the garden. Now watch. You had there in the garden, you had the kingdom of God right there in the garden. What condition existed? You had Adam there. Okay. Now how does that fit today? In Adam's loins was both wise and foolish virgins. All right. What do we got today? Wise and foolish virgins right here. They were all in Adam. You've got Eve, which was the church now, that's going to fall or get in trouble. What you got today. You got the serpent there, or false anointed ones, that's given them a formula for life that was a lie and produced death. Same existence you got today. The point being is what? The tree of life stood right there in the center of the Garden of Eden. They were right there in the midst of that tree when they done the sinning. What we're looking at is that tree stands right here in our midst today. Amen. That's almost far enough this morning. That thing run out of town. Let's stand this morning, would you? All right. When you come to that condition, when Brother Branham said at the opening of the seal now, and the seals is what brought the church down to a position to make a choice. Will you move on in the germination process? Move on into the third pull? Move to where the Word takes over your mind and your body? That's the anointing now. People kind of criticized me when I said, uh, basically, you'd be anointed and then the rapture would take place. 
What I'm talking about is being anointed, where Brother Branham said in invisible union, the threefold mystery of God was what? God come down and took over the body of Jesus. And all that was in Christ, he pours into the church. He takes over the body of the church, preeminence in the church, to take them to the tree of life and to the millennium. Without the Spirit of God taking over the body of Jesus and leading him into the wilderness to be tested, to see if he would take the word or not, he took over Jesus' vessel. And for three and a half years, the Holy Spirit was in charge of that vessel. What I'm talking about, preeminence, to fulfill the second part of the threefold mystery, the Holy Spirit, this message, has to come and take over your mind, and that anointing or revelation takes over your body and controls the vessel. If I've got preeminence in you, I can control you. Right? If the Holy Ghost, or let's say the Word, we call the message, I believe the message, if the message has preeminence in you, it controls what you do, what you think, where you go, and everything else. It controls your actions. That's the state that I'm looking at is calling being germatized. That's the state when the fruit from the tree of life, which is the doctrine. Everybody say doctrine. That's the fruit. When the doctrine, eat the fruit, all right, the revelation or the life coming from the doctrine is the anointing or the life now in you controlling your thinking and your actions. This message, which is Christ, must take preeminence in you. All right, now then we're, if the tree of life is here, wise and foolish virgins is here, the book is open. We're now to the state of Revelation 22, 7, 11. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the promise of this book. And John saw these things and heard. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Brother Bram said, John represents the bride of this hour. And that angel was the prophet of Malachi 4, 5, and 6. In other words, there will be people that will bow down and worship Brother Branham as Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what they're doing in Jeffersonville right now. All right. But what did the angel say? See thou do it not. What did Brother Branham say? Don't do that. You make me antichrist. For I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren the prophets and of them that keep what? Not the commandments now, but keep the sayings of this book, worship God. What is God? The Word. God seeth those that worship Him, Spirit of truth. And He said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. When? When Revelation 10 comes, that angel stands here, the book is open, we find this condition. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. Here's the showdown. Here's your Garden of Eden condition again. Tree stands here. The book is open. You're in this position now of conception. You're in this germination process. You've got to be germatized or there's no life in you. You've got to come down to the Garden of Eden condition. Kingdom of God. Holy Spirit taking preeminence. But if you don't eat the fruit, which is the doctrine, it can't take preeminence. 
He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. Hallelujah. He that is holy, let him be holy still. So you got sanctified ones that are holy, called the foolish virgins. You got the righteous ones, which are those that stand in the presence of the tree of life. They take the doctrine, I never sinned in the first place. You're the virtuous, sinless brother of Jesus Christ. And they say, Amen. Amen. They take God's word for it. That's the only antidote. That's the only thing that makes us like Abraham. Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations. He said, oh, well, thank you, Lord. What do I got to do about it? I'm impotent. I can't have any children. So, boy, I've got a big inheritance out there. Me and Sarah. He said, no, no, no. I'm going to multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. Oh, well, Lord, I can't figure that out. Hallelujah. How are you going to do that? He said, I'm going to put you to sleep so you won't ask no questions no more. And then I'll do it all my own. So like Abraham, he knocks us upside the head, gives us amnesia for a little while. So we, oh, we'll, we'll get out of the way until he can put the coats of righteousness on it, wakes us up, and we see that we're bride ready for the rapture. We say, thank you, Lord, for all these great things that I have done. No, no, no. All the great things that he has done for you. So what does God want? He wants you to thank him and praise him for his promise to you and that he has kept it. We are now righteous by the word and the voice of Almighty God. And furthermore, and I'm going to close. He said it's Jesus plus nothing. I preached 54 sermons on that. And we still wanted Jesus plus something. But it's Jesus plus nothing. He done it all 2,000 years ago. And now then he's revealing that process to us. And as it gets clearer and clearer and clearer, means what? We are crystallizing. We are becoming more like the grain. Now the world is waiting for the manifestation or the unveiling of the sons and daughters of God, which they will be unveiled in the resurrection, but it will be too late for everybody else. And the foolish virgins will go screaming into the tribulation and come up 1,000 years down the road. So let them have all this lunatic green deals and everything else. Preach it, Brother Gregory. Man, Doug's got some vitamin pills. Everybody needs a dose of that this morning. Come on. All these thousands and millions out here protesting in the streets. Weirdos with signs and kids saying, oh, the world's coming to the end, praise God. We're going to burn the earth up, my old mother. If someone would stand up and preach them, look, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, don't worry about the earth. He's going to burn you up. This earth will be here a long, long time after you're screaming in hell. I guarantee you that. According to this Bible, this earth's going to be here forever. And ever and ever and ever. Well, it's going to get burned up. I'm glad it's going to get burned up. Praise God. Burn all the sin off of it. Purify it. Praise God. That we can all walk out on the ashes of the wicked. He's going to burn the sin out of the world. Read your Bible. All these lunatics out here. Oh, it's going to melt. It's going to, they don't have a clue about God. 
Boy, they get so anointed, so enthused. March, praise God, I'm out of school because the world's coming in. If they actually believed that the world was coming in, I don't think they'd be out here parading around, drinking beer, and shouting hallelujah. Uh, wait, I take that back. I take that back. Wait a minute. The Bible said they'd be screaming at God, cursing God, raising their fists at God, and calling them ignorant and everything else when it happened. And that's exactly what they're doing right now. God is God. And we're in the condition this morning. You're standing right before the tree of life. We're exactly like it was in the Garden of Eden. Brother Bram said, you've got the same choice to put you right back in the Garden of Eden. Amen. How many will make the choice to eat from the tree of life? Amen. Amen. That's our choice. It's right in your midst. Unrecognized. Amen. Praise be to God. What are we going to sing, King? You don't know this. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Oh, have you, if you accidentally make the rapture, Say amen. Say, Lord, I accidentally made the rapture. And I'm going to be so grumpy over there. I'm going to be so disappointed and gloomy over there. I'm going to be griping over there. I hope we take the gripe out of me. Praise God. I'm going to be so depressed over there. I don't think you'd be saying that. If you made the rapture, I guarantee you would say, I'm so happy over there. Praise God. How many thinks you're going to be happy over there? Well, the Word of God says you're already over there, so let's be happy this morning. Oh, everybody.